Welcome to the Marriage Today podcast. I'm Karen and this is my lovely husband Jimmy and we're talking about anger again. We're talking about when your spouse complains. Oh yeah, the complaining anger yeah. thing. And so we're going to talk about, you know, when when you're complaining to each other and, and how to do that. And so, you know, Karen, the uh, we were very dysfunctional mm -hmm. in our marriage. We've been married 47 years mm -hmm. now. And early in our marriage, we did not know how to complain. We just attacked each other, mm -hmm. you know, especially, I, you were very passive aggressive. Uh, you didn't have a lot of self-confidence and you would just kind of go into your shell. And then by the time you got mad, you were mm -hmm. fighting mad <laughs> and, you know, yelling and stuff. But I was the opposite. Mm -hmm. I was always, you know, in your face complaining and stuff. Not correctly. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't kind, I wasn't patient. I wasn't loving in the way that I confronted you. Uh, but what we get the question, how did we learn to do this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it was over time, but what we learned it was to invite it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I talk about in marriage seminars, a customer uh, relations counter, and I'll talk about this teaching right now. But in a, any good store that you go into, mm -hmm. they have a customer relations counter. Mm -hmm. And the best stores have the best relations counter. And when you go in with a problem, they're not offended. Mm -hmm. They're just like, even the best store, the best stores have issues. And, and they know they have issues and they expect them, so they have a customer relations uh, department there. And the person there has a great attitude. But if you go into a store, a store that you liked, but they wouldn't let you complain, Mm -hmm. You wouldn't feel safe in that store. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to be the best husband I can be. You want to be the best wife you can be. I know I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to have the ability to resolve conflict in our marriage, we have to invite each other mm -hmm. to complain. And one of the things, we have a code language in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And I'll say to you, on some regular basis, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And what, what I'm inviting is any complaint. Mm -hmm. If there's anything that's not okay, you know that you can say something and not be attacked. That's true. I know for me, it was more about the passive aggressiveness. Yeah. And so, um, but you, you said it so right, you know, when you come up with a, a way of approaching a hard subject, like what you're saying, are you okay? Um, I think it, it kind of diffuses the tension of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? You know, and, and that's what had happened in our marriage is I was always on pins and needles that you're going to come at me and because I knew if I had said something in a little snippy way or whatever, I was going to pay the price. Yeah. And you know, and so because we started working through those things in a healthy way, you know, where you could talk to me about money and I didn't flip out, or um, we could talk about the kids and I didn't flip out, you know, because we began to see each other as a team, you know, and not you know being antagonistic toward each other. Right. You know, when you begin to see each other in a loving way that you know we're here together to build a healthy marriage it's not just about you and me anymore it's about our kids it's about our extended family right. you know and you know and to show people how we can get along i mean no, no, nothing endears me more than to see a couple that knows how to communicate yeah. and they love to be with each other i mean it, it feels so good there's nothing worse than being in a room where they're nitpicking and snapping at each other and being sarcastic i yeah. mean they just kind of it's like oh you know well, when, when you don't invite complaint, mm -hmm. it just means you don't care. Mm -hmm. And if, if I said to you, Karen, I don't want, I don't want you to complain to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a man came in for counseling one time and his wife didn't meet any of his needs. And he told her one time, he said, honey, you don't meet any of, now she was very demanding of him that he meet all of her needs. He was a servant hearted guy. Mm -hmm. And he said to her one time, he said, you know, you don't meet my needs. And she said, 
do not tell me again what your needs are. It just stresses me out. <laughs> well, how does that make you feel? Mm -hmm. You know, in other words, if you let me complain to you, it means I have value to you. I want, I want to know how you, I care. I want you to be happy in this marriage. Mm -hmm. And so this is another way that I say it. You're not a successful husband until your wife says that you are. Mm -hmm. And you're not a successful wife until your husband says that you are. That if you said to me, Jimmy, you're a bad husband, I said, no, I'm a great husband. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> well, you, you have to listen to each other and let each other complain to find out mm -hmm. if you're succeeding or not. Well, we're going to go to this teaching right now. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your review on there. But we're talking about complaining and giving your spouse the right to complain and learning how to complain so that you can deal with your anger issues or your problems and have intimacy in your marriage. We're going to go to the teaching right now. Great marriages have anger. Karen and I get angry at each other. That's not the issue. That's, that's just the way it is. But we know how to get it out. Early in our relationship, when we almost divorced, we had, bought, we had aged anger in our marriage that was there for years. And because of that, we couldn't talk about many things. We fought all the time. We had a cycle that we would go for a month or two and then have a huge blow up and then make up and go for another month or two. And by the time that the Lord began to heal our relationship, we were numb we had fought so much. That's a dangerous way to live in a marriage. And so a great marriage has anger, but you don't have to deal with it. So uh, unresolved anger causes health problems, severe health problems. University of Michigan studied people in bad marriages they have a 35% higher incidence of disease and live an average of four years less. When you have chronic anger in your marriage that you, that you don't deal with or can't deal with, it literally causes you to live a shorter life. And it says here, four years less. Secondly, emotional problems, depression and anxiety. The clinical definition of depression is anger turned inward. The highest consumer of our emotions is anger, and we're limited in our emotions. See, if, if, if we all went outside and, and ran, we would all you know, wear out at some point, because we understand our physical energy is limited, but so is your emotional energy. Depression is when your emotions can't go any further, and you're, you've got anger in there, you've got anxiety in there, and your emotions are on a treadmill, and you wake up the next morning and you're just flat, you just don't have any emotions. After winning the Olympics, athletes get depressed. It's because there's such a sense of jubilation in what they've done that they emotionally exhaust themselves and then it takes them time to recover. This is Ephesians 4, two texts in Ephesians 4. First of all, verses 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. The other text begins in verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. And so that's the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 telling us about anger and all the ramifications of anger. Number one, don't, of dealing with anger is don't deny your anger, is it, admit your, your anger. Uh, when you bottle up anger, the, there are intimidators and internalizers. Intimidators, you always know they're angry because they're always angry. And their teapot whistles real quick. 
And so, you know, this is the way I was, is that they're intimidators, they're, they're angry, and they want you to fear their anger. This is the way that I was, this is control. Part of control is I want to train you that when you cross me, you're gonna pay a price. And you're never gonna have intimacy in that environment. That's why we didn't have intimacy. So I was an intimidator. I was always going off, I was very emotive, I was verbally abusive. When Karen made me mad, I just say whatever I wanted to say. Devastated, devastated our relationship. But then there are internalizers, and Karen was an internalizer. And so she wouldn't talk about her feelings, she would just kind of bottle up her emotions. Really was one of the reasons that I got so frustrated. I knew there was something wrong but she just wouldn't talk about it. But every couple of months, she would just explode and it would all come out that way. So we were both extremely un unhealthy. I was doing a seminar in Ohio and there was a couple that came up to talk to me and they were telling about their friend and their, their friend uh, just left her husband. And uh, they'd been married for 10 years and her, their husband came to them and said she never complained one time. She never one time told me anything was wrong. And she said, and then she left me and left a note telling me how miserable she was and all the things that she felt and thought. She had internalized anger toward him for 10 years, never told him, and was all over with. She divorced and just left him. Okay, that's, that's kind of one of the ultimate things the devil wants for us is for anger to destroy our love, our outlook on life, our optimism, and then for us to become hopeless in a relationship. Don't deny your anger, and there's a couple of very important things here. First is don't feel guilty about your anger. Let me tell you some of the reasons that we get angry. Sometimes we get angry for good reasons, sometimes we don't get angry for good reasons, but one, one reason for anger is legitimate violation. You crossed a boundary. You did something that you shouldn't have done, so I'm angry. <laughs> I can get angry because of ignorance or misunderstanding. Karen is a normal woman, but when I first, we got, first got married, I just thought she was weird. I thought there's something, she's defective because she's not like me. And, and in my ignorance of females in the way that God calls females, have you ever tried to put your children's toys together? Okay, that makes me angry because whoever writes those instructions is of the devil. And so sometimes just ignorance, you know, you get frustrated and you get angry or whatever. Immaturity. Some, sometimes I get angry because I'm just immature. I'm just, you know, kind of being a brat. Uh, sometimes it's uh, unrealistic expectations. I had, I had an expectation that it would be easier. I had an expectation that, that you would change. I had an expectation that didn't come true. I, I don't know why, you know, I'm angry all the times. And sometimes my anger is illegitimate, but it's still there. Again, my feelings not, may not be right, but they're real. They're my feelings. I'm not going to feel guilty because I feel angry. Okay. The second is to cultivate an atmosphere of honesty within your relationship. Your spouse has to know they can share anything without paying a price. Emotionally, regular everyday stuff. See, when we get people in counseling and people will come in counseling and they'll say this and this and this and this, and we'll say, have you told your spouse that? No, they go ballistic. And what that means is the atmosphere in our home is I'm not free to share because they've trained me that I'm going to pay a price. So, I, so I've done it before. I paid a price. I don't feel free. Um, let me tell you about two stores, two stores that I, one I hate, one I love. There's, there's a store uh, that I shop at that I love. And, um, it, you, you know, it's a big box store and they just take anything back. They're the most fantastic people on earth about taking stuff back. So I bought one of those leaf blowers 
one day from the store and I took it home and I used it for a couple of years and it broke and it was out of warranty, I knew it was out of warranty and so I took it back to the store and I put it up on the counter. A little gal was behind the counter there, real sweet, happy person and I put the leaf blower up there and I said, honey, I wanna get this fixed if you would, it's out of warranty but if y'all would go ahead and fix it. And she looked at it and said, you, you bought it here? And I said, yeah, I bought it here a couple years ago. It's out of warranty if you wouldn't mind getting it fixed. She said, why don't you just go get another one? I said, I don't wanna buy another one. I said, just go ahead and fix it for me if you would. She said, go get another one. We're gonna give it to you. <laughs> so I go over and get me a leaf blower, a better one than I had the first time. Go get a better one, come put it up on the counter. She scans it and said, thank you. And I thought, I love this store. I just, I absolutely love the store because they have a customer relations counter and it's just such a wonderful place to go. And I feel safe buying something because they'll take it back. If I don't have my receipt, they'll take it back. If it's all beat up, they'll take it back. I just feel great about that store. Well, there's another store I don't like. And someone gave me a shirt. Uh, it was a fitted shirt. I mean, I looked at the size on the neck and it you know, was my size. And so I took it out of the box and Karen pressed it for me and I was gonna wear it. It hadn't been washed or anything, and, uh, but it was an Italian cut and I don't have an Italian body. So I took the shirt to the store where it was purchased from, walked up to the counter, and I put the shirt there on the counter, and I said, hey, I'd like to uh, just exchange this if I could. Uh, it doesn't fit. There was a guy behind the counter, real kind of a snobby guy, and he said, ah, oh, the shirt's been worn. We don't take back used merchandise. I said, it hadn't been worn. I said, I got it as a gift. My wife pressed it, hadn't been washed or anything. I said, put it on, took it off. I would just like to exchange it if I could for another store, for another shirt. And he said, uh, the shirt's been worn. I said, no, it hadn't been worn. I said, I, I want to exchange it for another shirt. So he went and got his manager. So the manager came over, never looked at me, never made eye contact with me. The manager came over and he said to the manager, when the manager walked up, this man wants a new shirt, but it's been worn. And so I'm just thinking, <laughs> this is unbelievable. So the manager picks the shirt up and looks at it, holds it up into the light, and then starts sniffing the armpits. And he, he sniffs both armpits several times like this. And I'm thinking, so, you know, what a wonderful experience this is. He never looks at me, throws the shirt down, and said, give him another one, and walks off. And I thought, I will never come back in this store again the rest of my life because this is what your customer relations counter is like. See, in marriage, you have a customer relations counter, and whether you realize it or not. And your customer relations counter is, hey, what do you need? I'm going to give you a new one. I want to be your department store of love. <laughs> and if I'm doing anything, if I'm saying anything that you don't like, I want you to be able to come and complain and to have a wonderful experience for our marriage's sake. But my customer relations counter when Karen and I got married was like this. <laughs> she would come and complain to me and it's like, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? There's no problem with me. See, the four major predictors of divorce, number one's criticism, is an, at, uh, an atmosphere of negativity. Number two is defensiveness. Not allowing your spouse the right to complain. And see, when I'm defensive, I'm not just not allowing you to complain, I'm also saying you're the problem. 
The reason that I'm not going to let you complain is if you would just get your act together, everything would be okay. Number three is contempt. Contempt means aged anger. Not anger, it's long-term anger. The longer that you're angry, the more you become contemptuous at that thing that made you angry. And number four, stonewalling. And stonewalling means don't talk to me. This is when communication totally shuts down. Do not talk to me about the children. Do not talk to me about money. Don't talk to me about my behavior. Don't talk to me about this. And everything just shuts down. And so to keep, to keep the communication lines open, we need to be able to say to each other, honey, complain. I may not agree. We may have to talk things out, but I'm not going to throw a fit. I'm not going to start yelling at you. I'm not going to start insulting you. We, dysfunctional families don't talk. It's one of the hallmarks of dysfunction. There's an elephant in the room, and we can't talk about it. Functional families talk. We have, we have an ethic in our home, and that is we speak truth. Lovingly, respectfully, we speak truth. And if there's something going on in this home, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it respectfully. We're going to talk about it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to let anger in, and we're going to let anger out. It's just going to be a natural part of the feature of our marriage, of our home. When anger shows up, it's not an enemy. It's just here. But if it stays, it's an enemy. So we're going to talk about it, and we're going to process it till it gets out of our relationship. Be angry. Don't sin. Don't sin. And a lot, of, a lot of marriage counseling, honestly, is people justifying the wrong things that they've done or said because of the wrong things their spouse is doing. You know, and, and you say, well, you know, I, I know I did this and this and this, but they just made me so mad. Well, they just did this and this and this. Well, don't sin. And not sinning comes from a couple of issues. First of all, putting your faith in God. First um, Peter 3, talking to women, says you can change your husband without a word as he observes your chaste and respectful behavior. Both men and women need to understand this. When we invite God into our marriage to help us to resolve a problem, he is more powerful than any force on the earth, and he can go into my spouse's heart and change them from the inside. If I don't let him do that, and if I don't trust him to do that, I'm going to try to change him from the outside, and I'm going to damage the relationship. I can say anything I want to say. Listen, we're equals in marriage. Men and women are absolutely equal. You can say anything you want to say, but here is the question of all questions. Who's the enforcer, you or the Holy Spirit? I tell Karen, Karen, this, this upsets me, this concerns me, whatever, and then Karen doesn't give the response that I want. See, the right response is to go get in my prayer closet and sit God on her while I'm loving her and respecting her. The wrong response is for me to become the Holy Spirit, for me to exact punishment until she does what I want. I did it, I did it all the time. And it, and it hurts the relationship. So don't sin. Don't, don't justify saying bad things and doing bad things because your spouse does. The other thing, too, is invite the Holy Spirit into your emotions. Listen, Galatians 5 talks about our flesh and the Holy Spirit. And it says if you walk in the Spirit, you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. And then it lists the, the flesh, outburst of anger, is one of the deeds of the flesh. And then it ends in Galatians 5 and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, gentleness, self-control, peace, all those things. 
The Holy Spirit is the oil the engine of our emotions was designed to run on. Your car without oil overheats and locks down quickly. You, without the Holy Spirit, overheat quickly. One of the things that we do to keep from sinning and to keep from overheating is we wake up in the morning and we say, Holy Spirit, come into me. Give me the personality of Jesus. By the way, that is the personality of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the nine personality traits of our Lord. He will give you his personality instantly and freely anytime you need it. And when we come to God and we admit our emotional lack, and we do have it, we are all very thin, veneered emotionally. Let me, let me say this another way. After 40 years of following Jesus, it's amazing how carnal I can be if I'm not close to God. Okay? Anybody agree with that? Yes. After 40 years of knowing Jesus, it's amazing how godly I can be in very difficult circumstances when I'm close to God. Right? So if I'm not going to sin, it means I've got to understand the natural inclination of my flesh to be angry and to be selfish and to get its own way. And I've got to depend on the Holy Spirit and wake up and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me love Karen today. Okay? I need you to help me love my children today. And Holy Spirit, I've got some meetings with some people today and there might be some murders if you don't help me. <laughs> so be with me and give me grace. You know something? 100% of the time he will. And you'll come out of that circumstance and you didn't do the wrong thing. You did the right thing under pressure because you're walking in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I want to go back and say in marriage counseling over and over and over, we hear people explaining that they're doing the wrong thing, but they're justifying it because of the wrong thing their spouse did. Okay, when you fight fire with fire, you get a bigger fire. You can only defeat a spirit with the opposite spirit. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. So we have to make our minds up. We're going to have anger in our relationship. That's okay. But we're not going to justify sin. Never am I going to justify doing or saying something wrong because I'm angry at you. Well, how do, how do people go from being passionately in love in front of a preacher to being vicious and contemptuous in front of a judge? One drop of unresolved anger at a time. Anger destroys the garden of your love. And you see this beautiful, passionate garden of your love. It's just, it smells good. It looks good. There's such optimism. There, you're dreaming of, of this wonderful life together, but you go to bed every day, another drop of anger, another drop of anger, and you wake up one day and your heart becomes hardened. That's how it becomes hardened. It's just one drop of unresolved anger. The other thing that unresolved anger does is it creates a habit pattern for us and an iniquity for our children. But parents have the most profound influence upon their children. And one of the things that we need to do um, in raising our children is to let them see us resolving conflict righteously. Um, Judith Wallerstein wrote a book called The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. And she was talking about uh, divorced people and the children of divorce. 
And when people have been through a divorce, they're more fearful of anger because it, they, they see anger as a potential of ending this marriage. Children of divorce are also more fearful of, angry, of anger and they don't know how to deal with it as much. The, the most powerful thing is I know that many of you watching, many of you here have been divorced. The issue is it's not a curse that has to happen. The issue is we need to find a better way of dealing with anger because anger can be processed, but if it isn't processed, that's when we need to be concerned about it. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.